Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are really glad that you're here. Um, if you'll look in the worship guide, you'll see some announcements about um, Lottie Moon and Angel Tree and then also um, this, this special needs class. Please, if you're interested in that, let Chris know and let him um, so he can count on your support on that. Um, in the weekly schedule, you'll notice that it says the children's musical is tonight. That, is, that was last week, and so that did not get removed. So Donna was panicking that she had another children's musical, um, but that, so, you can, so you can take that away. But we are glad you're here. Don't forget, right after this, we'll go straight to the Christmas breakfast over in the NPR, and then the second service will come in here and worship again. Next week, in the next three weeks, really, will be combined worship services. We'll, um, the choir will be singing next week. The week after that is Christmas Eve. And then the week after that, of course, December 31st. And we'll worship that day and go to the Lord's table on the 31st. And so I hope that you make plans to be a part of each of those services. Are you ready to worship? I want us to pray. I, I would ask this selfishly, I guess, um, if you would pray for me. I've had bronchitis this weekend, and you can hear my voice. And um, if you don't want a long sermon, then I guess you won't pray for the healing of my voice. <laughs> but, um, but I would appreciate you just praying for me today that my voice would be healed. But let's get started with prayer, and, um, and then we're going to have our Advent reading. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that we can worship you. And Lord, we love you. And we want to love you more. And we need your help, so please help us. Help us to be what we're supposed to be and to do what we're supposed to do. Fill us with your spirit and enable us to walk in you today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is coming. Shout for joy. Joy is a word we see and hear everywhere at Christmas. Joy to the world is the message of the season. Joy is the theme of this day. On the first Sunday of Advent, we lit the prophecy candle and remembered those who first spoke the promise of the coming Christ child. Last week, we lit the Bethlehem candle a symbol of the preparations being made to receive and accept the Christ child. The third candle on the Advent wreath is called the shepherd's candle. This candle helps us remember the first ones who joyfully shared the good news of the Savior's birth. This candle is a different color, reminding us that our period of waiting is half over.
scripture this morning is found in Luke 2, 15 through 20. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and their baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. All who had heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May we pray. Dear God, with joy and praise, we acknowledge the signs that your kingdom has come in Jesus Christ. With joy, we acknowledge that our help is in you. You are the maker of heaven and earth, our maker and remaker through the life and death of the one born in Bethlehem. Through faith in him, grant us solid joy that lasts long beyond this Christmas season. With joy, we commit ourselves to the proclamation of the good news. In the Savior's name we pray, amen. Stand and join our voices as we sing Joy to the World. Hymn number 181, and we'll go right into the first Noel.
tales told the shepherds Shepherds spread the news around The long-awaited son of David Just arrived in town Everybody's welcome Let's go and see the king Emmanuel, God with us Let heaven and nature sing Oh, something's up something's Down up. in Bethlehem Hope has come Bringing peace And goodwill to men In a manger is born story now it's time to tell the world all creation every nation each man woman boy and girl oh look inside the stable and find a brand new start celebrate salvation let him in
Some years ago, there was collaboration between John Denver and Placido Domingo for a song entitled, Perhaps Love. Everybody was wondering uh, how that song would go as two vastly different types of music were put together, and yet it became a, a huge hit. But uh, back in 1977, this song was written that we're going to share with you today. It's one I'm sure you're familiar with. If you listen to 96.5, you'll hear it on the rotating Christmas songs that go for six months. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> David Bowie and, and uh, uh, Bing. Bing Crosby uh, collaborated with this song that still has just as much meaning today as it did then. And uh, it was the last recording that Bing Crosby made before he passed away. And then those of you that know different types of music know it was not too long ago, about nine months to a year ago, that David Bowie himself passed away. But the song, my part of the song anyway, I'm doing Bing's part. And uh, I figured uh, Steve would be the great one to do Dave Bowie's part. But uh, Bing's part here is, is pretty much the little drummer boy. And it speaks of whatever we do, whether we're a drummer, whether we're a, a street sweeper, whether we're a baker, whether we're a lawn service operator, whatever we do, we do the talent and the gift that God has given us our very best as we do it unto the Lord. Well, I guess in David's part, it's peace on earth, can it be? That'd be a great sermon, wouldn't it? It really would be. But I think if we got Jesus in our hearts, there'll be peace on earth. We just have to spread the word to the world. So peace on earth, can it be?
Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to look at um, verses 21 through 23. If you would, pray with me. Father, we thank you. We know that the only way we can be at peace is to be at peace with you. You've done all that is necessary for us to have peace with you. Through the cross, you have reconciled us. You made peace through your blood on the cross. Thank you for that. But Lord, we know that um, just a glance at the news shows us that man is not living at peace and they desperately need the gospel. They need the truth of your word. And so I pray, Father, that you would help us to be faithful to share even as we Think about what you've called us to do and how we're to give to missions and how we're to go and do missions. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be faithful to get the message spread so that peace can come. We know ultimately that true peace will come, Jesus, when you come again. And so like John, we say, even so, Lord, come quickly. We love you. We ask that you'd speak to us now and show us how we should live and show us how to worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I read the text, let's be reminded of what we give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, um, what it does when we, when we give to that. We hear it in the voices of the hurting. We sense it in the brokenness of the world around us. Lostness is a blindness to the promise and hope of the gospel that leads to eternal separation from the Father. The world's greatest problem is lostness, and it's growing every day. Eight billion people living in 195 countries, speaking over 7,000 languages today. More than half have yet to hear the good news of the gospel. The vision God gives us in Revelation 7-9, a multitude from every nation, all tribes, peoples, and languages, fuels our desire to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But we must be willing to go further than we've ever gone before, to the very edges of lostness, where more than 3,000 people groups have no missionary presence and likely no access to the gospel. No one is engaging them. Together, we can change that. We know the love and hope and peace of the gospel. We know the way, the truth, and the life. We know the power of true redemption. We will not ignore lostness. We will not be silent. We will not stand still. From the Great Commission until the Great Multitude, we must unite in this great pursuit to reach every nation, no matter the cost. And everybody said, Amen. Just remember, every penny you give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes directly to the missionaries. And so I hope that you will give sacrificially to that. If you're able, I invite you to stand and honor the reading of God's Word. Colossians 1. 21 through 23. 
and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You can be seated. In verses 10 through 12, we're told how to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. In 13 through 14, we're told what the Father did for us. He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. And then in verses 15 through 20, He tells us who it is that redeemed us, who this Son is. He tells us that Jesus is God, that He is the Creator, that He is eternal, that He's the sustainer, that He is the head of the body, that He's fully God, and He makes full reconciliation. In our text, He continues that thought. If you look at verses 21 through 23, and the original language are one long sentence, and, and right in the middle of that long sentence is one main verb. Now, one main verb is verse 22 in our text. It says, he has now reconciled. As we see, we were separated from God, and we needed someone to bring us back into fellowship with Him. We could not do it on our own. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18, we're told that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. And he says this. He says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. All of this, all of this reconciliation is from God. He goes on to say that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. So in this Advent season, we, we need to remember and be reminded of why Jesus comes to the earth. What is it that Jesus came to accomplish? He, he came to reconcile us to the Father. Three verses, three simple points. First verse, first point, what we were. Let's look at what we were. Let me just warn you, this does not do a lot to build us up in terms of make us feel really good about our old self. And let me tell you something. The Bible doesn't want you to feel good about your old self. He wants you to look to Christ and to the new. But I want us to look at what he says. Look at it. What we were. Look at verse 21. And you who were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. And you. Just notice those two words, in you. It's easy to see something like this and get caught into the big global cosmic picture, isn't it? It's easy to get caught up. Um, O'Brien called it the, the cosmic scale of redemption. When you think about Jesus coming and redemption and, and think what he did, it's, it's easy to, to think about the world, and we should think about the world as this video just reminded us, but, but sometimes we just need to stop and remember he did it for us. And you, it's, it's, it's like hearing a sermon and hearing and saying, oh, so-and-so sure did need to hear that, and not applying it to ourselves. He says, and you were once, who once, who once? If you've been born again, everything that we're about to say in verse 21 is in your past. But I would remind you this morning, if you've not been born again, everything that I'm about to say is still true of you. It's not where once, but you are still alienated and hostile and doing evil. And so we need to remember what Christ has done. And he tells us three things about what we were. The first thing he says is we were cut off from God. We were cut off from God who once were alienated. It describes what we were, not just every now and then, not just at our worst moments, but at every moment. 
We are out of relationship with God. We saw this in verse 13 when we were under the domain of darkness, that we were under the power of the enemy. Separated really, really isn't strong enough. It's, it's that we were at enmity with God. We were estranged. We were, we were cut off. Something happened in the past that, that condemned us. What is it that happened in the past? What condemned us? Romans 5, 12 Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. We are all associated with the head of the family, and that's Adam. And Adam sinned. And Adam's sin nature was passed down to all of us. Again, it's why it's so vital that we believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. He did not receive a sin nature as we did. He didn't get Joseph's sin nature. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. But understand that we were cut off. That Adam, the first Adam, failed to do what he was supposed to do. But Jesus, the second Adam, succeeded where Adam failed. We were born with a sin nature passed down. And, and, and even if you don't want to believe that, and, and it's biblically true that we have a sin nature, but, but even if you say, well, I don't want to believe that I, that, that I, that I was born sinful, understand this, we, we've all sinned. We're not just sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. And we're cut off. We're cut off from God. That's why it's so vital that we get the message to, to the world that's never heard because they're cut off. They're cut off from God. But secondly, we were enemies of God. Enemies of God. Look at what he says. And hostile in mind. And hostile in mind. I know, I know you think that you're going too far. That I, I, I wasn't an enemy of God. I, I was pretty good. But I just want to remind you that um, the adjective here for hostile in mind is, is often used as a noun. And it's used as a noun to describe Satan himself. It's really speaking of being hateful. When he says you're hostile in mind, he's, he's saying you were hating. You were haters of God. Again, we want to protest. I, I, I never hated God. I, and, and, but, but understand, when he says that we're hostile in mind, we're hate, hateful in our thinking, our very disposition was towards sin. Our very disposition is towards self, not toward God. Romans 1.30 describes those apart from God. He says they're slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, and he goes on. And what he shows us is that we're born in sin, and in sin do we meditate. We sin, and we meditate on sin. We think about how to do it. Fantasize about it. We were cut off from God. Enemies of God in our very thinking. We acted out to please ourselves and not to please Him. And then He says, doing evil deeds. It's the third thing. You're sinful in your actions. You're, you're cut off from God. That is, you have a sin nature. You're enemies of God. You're, you're sinful in your mind. And then your sinful mind leads to sinful actions. The outward sin is nothing more than a visible expression of an inward thought. Because we meditate on sin, we act on that sin, and we're evil in our deeds. Sometimes that may seem too strong. He said, Paul, I, I just don't understand why you say this. And understand, Paul's saying it because the Spirit says it. But listen to what Jesus said. And this is a judgment. The light is coming to the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. It does not come to the light. Thus, his work should be exposed. That's what we were. 
It's what we were. It's what Ephesians 2 confirms. Ephesians 2, 4 has these two little words we've looked at many times in our life here together. But God. 1 through 3 of Ephesians 2 confirms everything I said about us being alienated from God and all the things about that. He says, but God. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us. I'm thrilled to, to move you from what you were to, to what we are. And, but but we've got to look at how we're changed. How is it that we're changed? Look at verse 22. He has now reconciled us in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. He has now reconciled us in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. I love what O'Brien says. He says, the gravity of their previous condition serves to magnify the wonder of God's mercy. The gravity of the previous condition serves to magnify the wonder of God's mercy. Paul simply loves to show us what we were so that he can contrast it with what we are now in Christ. We don't have to stay what we were. We can, we can be born again. The, word, the verb he has now reconciled us shows us that, 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 that there has to be a move from what we were. For, for us to move from what we were requires a mighty act of God on our behalf. We are lost in our sin. Someone must move on our behalf. And so God, the offended one, moves on behalf of the ones who were offending so that we could be reconciled. How does he do it? In his body of flesh by his death. Notice that text. In his body of flesh by his death. He, he's pointing it out. In his body. The incarnation is real. Jesus comes. He takes on real human flesh. He has a body that's prepared for him. And there he is walking on this earth, fully God, fully man, in his body of flesh by his death, through his blood, through the cross. God the Father moved through the work of Jesus on the cross so that his demand for justice was met. It was met in the sacrifice of Jesus. We were condemned. We were condemned, but Paul Contrast that with the glorious new status that we have in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He takes us again to three things that God has done for us. He, three things that we were, and now he takes us to three things that God has done for us. It's interesting that, um, that in the Greek, all three of these words start with, with the same letter. Sometimes you wonder where alliteration comes from. Maybe Paul invented alliteration. I don't know. Paul intentionally uses three words that start with a little letter alpha. And he starts and, and shows us three things. And, and, and they don't start in the same in, in English. And so we won't try to do that. But look, here it is. He presents us. He presents us. Now, presents us where? It's a lot of debate. But I think it's before the judgment seat of Christ. When the time comes and we stand before God, he presents us. At the end, we can have confidence that when we're presented before the Father, that we have hope laid up for us in heaven. And so when we look at this, we, we can have confidence because Jesus has done some things. He's changed us, and this is what he's done. He's, he's made us holy. He's made us holy. He says it right here in our text. He, he, he simply says, if you look at it, and he's now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy. We were separated from God because of our sin, but now we're separated for God or to God because of Jesus' righteousness. The holiness of, of our holy God um, requires that, that, that a sacrifice be made for our sin. And so Jesus makes that sacrifice on the cross. And, and in doing so, when we trust in him, when we believe what he has done for us on the cross, he makes us holy. He makes us righteous. 
And when we stand before God, Colossians 3, 3 will be true for, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When you stand there, the Father will see Jesus. When you stand before the Father, born again, you will stand in Christ. His righteousness is your righteousness. He gives you his holiness. He declares you to be and makes you. He goes on. He, he makes us blameless. Not just holy, but blameless. Look at the text again. He has made us holy and blameless. This is incredible. Not only are we not holy in the way we live our daily lives, we, we are certainly to be blamed for our sins, aren't we? We know we've sinned. We know we've failed the Father. We know we've failed one another. But, but when we're in Christ through faith, God will present us, he says it in Ephesians like this, he will present us without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He says it here, holy and blameless. These are words used of the sacrifices that were required. They had to be blameless, without spot. It pointed to the fact that, that Jesus would come holy and blameless and, and points to the fact that we will be made blameless because we are in Christ. But then there's a third thing. Look at what he says here. He says he's now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Jesus makes us unaccusable. I told you two weeks ago that Jesus takes away the only weapon that Satan has left, and that's accusation. When you're in Christ, you're unaccusable. It ought to make a shout, church. We will stand before God and Satan will have nothing to accuse us of because Jesus has paid it all. He has paid the price, making us holy and blameless on the day of judgment. We will stand before the Father in Christ, in his holiness, in his blamelessness, and we will not be able to be accused because we are covered by his blood. Listen to Romans 8, 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who will condemn? Who will separate? And Paul says, nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? And there's one more thing we learn from Paul here. We see what we were. We see how we're changed. But let's see that Paul gives us the evidence of change. The evidence of the change. If indeed, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. And I want you to hear me before I go any further. I believe that once you are truly saved, you are always saved. Do you hear me? I believe that once you are truly saved, you are always saved. But the Bible teaches this one fact all the way through Scripture. Continuing in the faith is the test of the reality of the faith. Continuing in the faith is the test of the reality of the faith. In other words, Philippians 1, 6, what he began, he will finish. Continuing in the faith is a test of the reality of the faith. I think this verse is a real warning. He's not saying you can lose your salvation, but he's saying 
as Paul says in Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Make sure you're truly saved. There are those who, who are truly saved. See, those who are truly saved will find the Holy Spirit will keep them in the faith. But get this, hear me carefully. Those who profess faith but do not possess faith. You hear the difference? Those who profess faith but don't possess faith will often drift away. Why do they drift away? 1 John 2, 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would not have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain they are, they are not of us. I know that, that we've been brought up as a Baptist on once saved, always saved. That's why I started with saying, I believe once you're truly saved, you're always saved. But what Paul is saying is, is that we must look at our lives and look into our heart. Are we growing? The ultimate test of your faith is, is, is that you continue in the faith and that your faith bears fruit. Look at what he says. He says, you're stable and steadfast. When you receive Christ, when you're born again, you're, you're given a firm foundation, and, and that foundation is meant to be built upon. We build upon that as we grow in our faith and grow in discipleship. We grow in him. We, we settle in our faith. And, and so when the storms come, and they do come, we stand strong because we are in Christ. We don't shift from the hope. We, we're not scattered by every wind of doctrine. The gospel that saves us keeps us saved. Faith that has a root in the gospel bears fruit. Faith that has root bears fruit. Faith that's just professed doesn't have fruit. Jesus says at the end of time, to those, depart from me, I never knew you. Has there been a change in our life? Are we reconciled? Do we, do we bear fruit? What needs to happen in our life today? Let me close with this. If, you, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit will complete what he started. If you're in Christ, growing in the Spirit will be normal for you. I understand that the, that the growth comes at a different rate for some. Some grow faster than others. I understand that. It's just like you... You, you put... You put Matt and Laura Cowart's um, adopted son Hudson right next to Shepard. They're about a month apart. But Hudson's a full head above Shepard. We grow at different rates, physically and spiritually, but we grow. We must continue to grow. And you see that growth in Paul's life. Look what he says at the end of our verse which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. The fact that Paul is writing to a Gentile church and talking about reconciliation shows the change in Paul's life. Is there change in your life? Are you, are you claiming salvation with no desire to grow in the things of God? Are you claiming salvation? And in the last 168 hours, you've never opened your Bible and not thought anything about it. Are you claiming to be born again? And you can go days upon days without ever praying to the Father and talking to Him, without ever fellowshipping, without ever rejoicing, without even missing being in this room. Faith that is real has root, and the root bears fruit, and it's all by the Spirit. It's all by the Spirit.
Are you ready? Are you ready to meet your maker? We're reminded over and over again at this time of the year how many we love gone on before us. Are you ready? The other morning, it's about 1.30. Um, I was sound asleep. I've got a new device that I hate, but I'm learning to use a CPAP machine. If I could just lose 50 pounds, I wouldn't need that anymore, but, but I like to eat. And, um, so I'm finally, this is the first night I really slept with it well. I was sound asleep. And all of a sudden, I heard this noise. And when I woke up, I thought it was the, um, I thought it was my phone. I thought it was an alarm. And I got up, and I was fiddling when I'm trying to find it. I couldn't get to it. And then my brain said, no, 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 it's, it's the CPAP machine. Something's going off on the CPAP machine. And, and so I got up, and I'm standing there in the middle of the dark, and, I, and this, this alarm is going off, and, and I'm trying to find it. And I said, Kim, I can't find it. I got to turn on the light. So I turn on the lamp, and about that moment, I realize that's the house alarm. Something's happened. So I turn around, and it had been the, it had been the wind had blown and hit the door and, 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 and shook. And I, I went on the bed after checking the house. I said to Kim, I said, it's weird the alarm company didn't call. And I almost got back to sleep. <laughs> St. Clair County Sheriff's deputy was there. I'm glad he showed up. I realized that if a burglar breaks in, I got to fend them off for at least 30 minutes, and they'll be there. <laughs> I told Billy Murray that, and I said, hey, what do you expect? You know. Sometimes we need wake-up calls. Sometimes we just need something to stir us. Advent continually reminds us that Jesus came. Let's just not forget why he came. Let's not let the prompting of the Spirit that stirs in our soul be so ignored that we don't listen to him when we get hard to it. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. If there are areas in your life that need adjustment, if there are areas in your life that need repentance, repentance, then repent and come back to the Father. And you'll find His arms open wide. Amen? Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But you must call. And you must trust in what Christ has done for you. And you must be filled with His Spirit and you must walk in you. I wonder if you'll bow your heads for a moment. We're going to sing in just a moment. I just want to ask you one simple question as we close. The two descriptions, what we were and how we were changed. Which one best pictures you today? Are you still wrapped up in the description of what you were? Is that still you? Something's wrong. Have you been changed? Is there evidence of holiness and blamelessness? Is there change in your activities, in your actions? I didn't say perfection. It's not what we're talking about. We'll be perfect one day in His eyes and in His presence. But for now... We continue to grow in sanctification. Have you been changed? Have you been born again? Father, I pray that you'd speak to us this morning. And not just to those in this room, but those who are listening. And not just to those who are listening, but to those we'll see this week. Eight billion people in the world. Lostness everywhere we go. 
I pray, Father, that you pray that you'd burden our hearts for the lostness and that you would help us share the true gospel and live the true gospel because we've believed the true gospel. Speak to us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. As we sing, if you need to do something public, Tim and I'll be here to meet you. you'll continue to give and let's make sure we meet the budget at the end of the year and also our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And Thank you for being here. You're invited to the Christmas breakfast. You don't have to bring anything. It's already there. There'll be two serving tables this time and I don't have to tell you anything else. You know how to eat. So go over, enjoy. Try to sit with someone maybe you don't know and get to know them a little bit. But God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>